interesting. I never really understood why I am the way I am until Vectric exposed me to some of these interesting things I learned about myself. I'm intrigued by learning more about other people. There's so many people that are just one step away from their breakthrough in their life. And all they need is a little help. And I want to help. I want to inspire people through my fulfillment in my own life. For me, that's just about reinventing myself and establishing a new identity, which is really to be a source of empowerment for people by living my life at full expression. Greg Cothran has become one of the finest young leaders in the Cutco Vector Marketing sales organization. But knowing that Greg is a profound introvert, you might not have viewed him as someone who would end up in the role that he's in today. The reality is that introverts have as much leadership potential as extroverts, and that our outward expression of our personality can evolve over time. Greg had to learn about himself, find and apply his strengths, and surround himself with others who could complement what he offered. In this conversation, Greg can help you to see more of your own unique leadership strengths, and he also advises all leaders on how to work better with the introverts on your teams. Greg continues to reinvent himself and strives to live his life at full expression. I know you'll enjoy getting to know this understated yet powerful leader, Greg Cothran. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I am with Greg Cothran today, who is a division manager in the Cutco Vector Marketing Sales Organization. Greg started with the company in 2007, just as he was graduating from high school and turning 18 years old. He went to Temple University, worked with Cutco all through college, advancing to assistant manager and then branch manager and then pilot office manager and ultimately became a district manager in 2011. In the following year, 2012, Greg's team sold over a million dollars of Cutco his very first year. He won the Silver Cup as the number one first full year manager in the company and has had continued success since that time. He took over the New Jersey division in 2015 and exciting announcement as of the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, Greg is going to be taking over the New York City division. So very, very big opportunity there. Greg has developed several Silver Cup champions in our company, including Tyler Park, Gina Nappi, Brian Scuderi, and Paige Weber. And I'm really excited for this conversation today. So Greg Cothran, thanks for making time for the podcast. 
Yeah, thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Awesome. What I'm really excited about is this just that the idea that we have discussed, Greg, that you are very introverted as a leader. And I am the same, by the way. I've tested out as a pretty profound introvert on any of the standard personality tests. And I think there's a lot of cool things about that that we, we can discuss and talk about that we'll definitely get into as we go along today. I want to begin by giving you a chance just to share anything you'd like about your personal background. So why don't we start there? Yeah, sure. I would say probably what most defined me growing up was my dad. He owned a karate school. And my dad was my first hero for sure, as I'm sure for many people. From a young age, watching him lead, watching him teach, really watching him love the students that he would be so proud of as they would even go on after after their martial arts experience. And I think it played a major role in my development, not just from a martial arts, learning discipline, respect, that kind of thing. But I, I realized much later on that that's what attracted me to, at one point, wanting to be a teacher. I think this is what attracted me to Vector and the leadership in Vector and kind of what's at the core of what, what Vector marketing is all about. So I, I would say my it's probably the biggest thing about me before Vector that would be good for people to know. Yeah, that's great. When did you get started with Vector and, and how'd, uh, how, how'd you find the company? Yeah, like actually my first day of training was my graduation day from high school. And long story short, random sequence of events, I saw a poster that my manager, John Wasserman, had faxed over uh, to my to my high school like the morning of. And, <laughs> we still and had faxes back then? They had faxes back then, <laughs> yeah. So... Apparently, I was the only one to reply ever to that ad. So that's, uh, but anyway, yeah, went in for an interview like later that afternoon, was in training that next day and turned 18 years old that week. I mean, it was, you know, kind of sporadic, but definitely uh, something that worked out. Yeah. Was this in John Wasserman's office? Mm -hmm. Yep. Wow. So you had a chance to, uh, to apprentice under a real legend in the company right there. For sure. For sure. And he's been a big part of my development even today. Yeah. What were some of the transformational experiences that stand out from your career? I would say that getting invited into Leadership Academy, like being a sales rep was, was great. I learned a lot. I mean, as an introvert, definitely pulls you out of your comfort zone a little bit. But I would say my real vector experience took off once I joined the Leadership Academy. And I think it was the summer that I went branch or shortly after that... Uh, John Wasserman went on a personal mission to read 50 books on leadership in a year. He went cross-training with another manager, came back, just man on fire. And, and it was just really powerful as a 19, 20-year-old watching your leader just reinvent themselves. And some of the lessons I got from that were, well, first, just the value of reading and growing with intention, no matter what age you are. The power of sharing what you're learning was really powerful too. Mm -hmm. So every time we would have a conference call or staff meeting or leadership prep, there was always fresh new material that he's, I just read this. And it was really cool just to see him impact that. And, and it just transformed our division, the culture. I mean, within a year, everybody was reading, everybody was talking about what they were learning and sharing what they learned. And it just, it just shifted the culture in our, in our team. And over the next few years, we ended up building, building something special together. So, and I would say that growth that I watched him do was the catalyst for me starting a personal growth journey that really launched me into my district manager career. So, probably without that, I don't know if I would have had the kind of success that I did have, you know, as a new district manager. So, I remember seeing John uh, go through this stage in his development. 
And we talk about this a little bit in the episode that I had with John much earlier in the podcast, where he had been at the top of his game in the company for a number of years. And then he went through a period where he was a little bit, um, I guess you could even say stagnant for a little bit of a while. And this is what helped to turn John's career back on this amazing upward trajectory that he has been on for most of the time that he's been here at Vector was just this process of fully engaging in personal growth. And as you said, Greg, sharing it with other people. And I can remember I asked John for his list of the 50 books, and I proceeded to read a good number of the ones on his list that I had not already read. And it inspired me as well. I'm one of the people who has always felt like 50 books, a book a week is like daunting as a task to even think about. I can't really wrap my brain around trying to do a book a week. But what that motivated me to do is to say, I could at least do a book a month. And ever since then, I've always strived to make sure that I was reading at least 12 books every year. And most years, it's been a lot more than 12. It's been 16 or 20 or something like that. I've never hit 50. But it has helped me to be a lot more consistent with personal growth. And if you're reading 12 or 16 books in a year, everyone, that is about 12 to 16 more than most people read after college. And it's giving you a chance to have that ongoing growth. And it's giving you that material to share with others. So really, really a valuable uh, thing that you got a chance to see firsthand from your leader there. Yeah. And that's anytime since then, if I feel stuck, I lean into personal growth. Like that's a lot of times when you're not where you want to be, you can look back over the past few months or a few weeks. And a lot, for me at least, diving back into just reading, learning, growing just gives me a personal momentum that helps me move forward as I'm going through whatever challenges that I might be going through. So it's it's definitely not like a one-time thing for sure. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Any other key experiences out of your, your early career that uh, that stand out? What was good for me in Vector was I was exposed to people that were big thinkers that were, if I'm more introverted, I was obviously surrounded by a lot of extroverts and I I had a chance to learn from them, model what they did. Uh, They helped me think differently about where I was at. So I would say that coming into Vector, I was the kind of person that had raw talents and skills and reasons to be confident, but Vector really kind of put me in a position where I could step into that and really own it and grow. And, you know, so I don't know if it's an experience as much as just the environment that you're, you're in when you work in a company like this. So, sure. yeah, excellent. Excellent. Well, let's talk about you as a leader, Greg, because I think that there's a lot we can say here that people can really learn a lot from. Your personality is far more introverted than many leaders in the sales industry. There is a sort of a personality index that many people in Vector have studied. It's called CVI for any of you that uh, are relatively new in the company. Maybe you haven't heard of this yet, but it's called Core Values Index, CVI. And it's one of those, it's a matrix with the four different uh, you know, categories or boxes. And I know, Greg, that you score out as a banker innovator on the CVI index. The four categories are banker, innovator, merchant, and builder. And they each represent different types of personalities and different skill sets that people have. And according to the people who've created CVI, a banker innovator would be typically the least likely 
of the different categories to be in a position of, of leadership, particularly in a company like ours. And yet here you are not only in a position of leadership, but thriving and doing really well. Let me begin by asking you, what do you feel like have been some of the challenges you've experienced in advancing through the sales and management ranks as a profound introvert? Yeah, it's interesting. I never really understood why I am the way I am. <laughs> like I always thought oh, I'm just shy or I'm just not as confident sometimes until Vector kind of exposed me to some of these, whether it's CVI or interesting things that I learned about myself. I would say some of the challenges are I'm sure a lot of us do this, but treating people the way that I want to be treated, it's really common. I mean, that's the golden rule, but we're not all wired the same way. So for me, being more introverted, like, for example, my manager knew that he didn't necessarily need to talk to me every single day, or especially when I was a district manager. And I've mistakenly taken that kind of approach with the people I work with, where I might not need constant attention or talking, but like, that's an introverted nature, not necessarily everybody. So that was a challenge that just being aware about, aware of that. Naturally, I'm more in my own head and I, I value independence. So I'm not as expressive sometimes. I can come across as aloof. And I think for some people, again, that's just a little bit of getting used to or feels a little bit different. And uh, I tend to hold in my emotions and not be too reactionary. And I used to look at that as like a good thing. Like I had this super high emotional intelligence because I didn't get too high or too low. And so that's the advantage to it. But I think a challenge to that is I can uncharacteristically explode on people with, with pent up emotion. Like, why am I even, and then oftentimes, or I shouldn't say often, but sometimes people don't even know how I'm thinking or how I'm feeling. Cause again, cause I tend to be less expressive with my emotions. So I could be in a really good mood and then just not have that expression on my face. Cause I'm focused, but so just, Knowing how my dynamic affects the people around me and how they feel is probably the biggest learning curve that I've had to go through in leadership here. That was so interesting what you just shared. And I feel like, Greg, so much of what you just shared, I completely relate to right, right there. The idea of not being as expressive or perhaps being viewed as being a little bit more aloof because you're not super expressive. Like I just like to take information in and ponder it and think about it versus immediately reacting to it. And so I think that that feeling can come across of being aloof, as you said. I do feel like the emotional maturity side of this is a lot more of a strength than a challenge, but I can relate to what you described about how sometimes it just, it overflows and you know you blow up. I do think that if you're, if you're the kind of person that blows up very rarely, it has a whole lot more power when it happens because mm -hmm people realize like, oh, wow, Greg's really pissed right now. Like something must really be wrong versus somebody that was constantly over the top with their emotions. I particularly like what you said about the golden rule, right? That we're all taught growing up, treat people the way you want to be treated, but it's far more important to learn about the people around us so that we can treat people the way they want to be treated. And one of the things I think is valuable about personality assessments is it gives us an insight about how people have been or how they are up until now. I don't think we should pigeonhole people into staying the same at all. I believe that we can all evolve. But if you can get to know a little bit about how to work with someone, that makes a big difference in, in your leadership. So 
it's cool that you've been able to understand that and get to know that as you've progressed. What advantages do you feel like you've had relating to your personality and how have you learned to leverage them? Well, I'd say naturally, I'm very introspective and I think it lends itself to that personal growth in, in, in any area. So like, I tend to start with myself when it comes to improving any situation. So I'm very self-aware, self-conscious you know, to a degree, and I think that can certainly be helpful. Also, I get my energy, I'm less impacted by the environment that I'm in because I get my energy from the inside out. So if we were to use just this year, and we a lot of us had to quarantine, work from home, that's tough for a lot of people. It's tough for me because I do li- like being around people. But because I get my energy from the inside out, that had less of a, a mental impact on me. It was actually energizing working by myself at times. So I've been told that I'm a good listener, uh, which I, I appreciate. I would say I'm very inquisitive. Like I try to be a very astute learner. Like I really, I'm intrigued by learning more about other people and what whether it's what their preferences are or what their goals. So I really take pride in doing that. And then having a more of a grounded, systematic approach. These aren't necessarily strengths in every situation, but I, I think in it can bring a balance to a team, especially if we have a if there's five people on a team and three or four of them are extroverts, this is that other side to it can really bring a little bit of balance to the organization. And so I found that those are strengths. They're advantages, I would say, especially in our business, because again, it's not as common. And again, I think that adds another layer to the team dynamic that we have. Yeah, for sure. Great stuff that you shared right there, uh, particularly about how as an introvert, because you get your energy from within, you're less impacted by different changing environments. You're less impacted by different adversities that can come up and things like that. And I think the good listener part of people who are more introverted is one of the greatest strengths. There's a lot of people who are so reactionary that they, they're always cutting in when somebody says something and they're trying to like acknowledge or one-up or just share something that they have that relates. And they miss a lot because of that. Whereas the more introverted personality is better adapted to fully listening to someone when they're expressing themselves so that people feel understood. And I think that builds a lot of connection. I think that builds a lot of trust. And there's a lot of advantages to it as well. Regardless of what type of personality we have, I think it's really important to learn to adapt ourselves to different situations and to continue to learn and grow and evolve. If anybody here listens to the podcast episode with Dr. Benjamin Hardy, the episode was called Personality Isn't Permanent. And it's based on a book he wrote of that title. He's an organizational psychologist. And one of the things he says in there is that, you know, don't let your personality drive your, your future behavior, but let your goals and your vision drive your future behavior. The evolution of your personality should be driven by what we want in our life. And I think a lot of people who might be introverted, introverted listening to the podcast might be inclined before they heard you and your story to think, well, I'm an introvert. I'm not made to be a, district or division manager, whereas the opposite is true. Anybody can evolve into any position and you set goals to be a leader in the company that have helped drive your 
personality evolution. So you've been able to bring out a lot of strengths in yourself over time, despite having a uh, more of an introverted core inside. How would you recommend, Greg, to other people that they learn to identify and leverage some of their own strengths as leaders? Well, I would say first, just find out where you are. So whether it's a CBI type of test or the five love languages, or there's all kinds of indexes and, that you could do, but just self-assessing is really, really valuable. And if you find out something like you're an introvert, there are tons of books, for example, on that topic. Like for me, there's a book, The Introvert Advantage. So I read that and learned a lot about myself and the dynamics of working with other people. I think a part of finding out where you are is, is really thinking and reflecting on that. A quote from a book I read, Science of Being Great, said, you're not developed by the books that you read, you're developed by what you think about the books that you read. So part of finding out where you are is, hey, is this something that I like or, that, or is this something that I want to improve on? And so I think just really being self-aware and focusing on that first can really be as helpful as anything. Just important is that is, is seeing the beauty in all that too. There's a good side to everything. In other words, like you, you are the way that you are for a very good reason, even if it does limit you in other ways. So I think I, I used to look at being introverted as kind of a disadvantage, but there's reasons for it. And there's advantages like we talked about that can come from that. So I would say whatever it is, whatever, whether it's strengths or weaknesses, however you look at it, don't apologize for it, own it, value it, and then move forward and grow from that. I would say the probably the most valuable thing that you could do is understand how your tendencies and your preferences could impact like your interactions with other people and impact your, your interactions with the outside world. Like how do you work with the people that you work with? Like first like that are just like you versus the ones that are different. Cause that's two different things there. You can even ask other people for extreme feedback. Like, Hey, I want to learn more about how to work better with you. And I want to learn more about myself. And when I do X, Y, and Z, like, how does that make you feel? Call it extreme feedback because sometimes we don't always want to hear a direct, but I think that's really valuable in any, regardless of where you are. And uh, I think humility is really important. So it helps us learn, but like, you don't need to be the best at everything. In fact, as a leader, that will probably drive you nuts to try and be the best at everything all the time. But like, you know, there's no perfect score. Like if you're, if we're talking about being introverted versus extroverted, there's no, it's just a spectrum. There's no like right or wrong, good or bad. So I think just, learning to appreciate that, like try to truly value the differences in people. I think that could really, you know, help you better understand yourself and your interactions with them. So excellent insights, Greg. I feel like the first idea of uh, finding out where you are, it's an important concept. I, I have enjoyed being able to have uh, gone through training with the CVI. For anybody that's done CBI, by the way, my personal CBI is Merchant Innovator. So I also am sort of lacking in the builder trait that is highly coveted for most leaders, supposedly. But learning a little bit about where you are and trying to figure out what are the strengths. And one of the things I can remember in going through CBI training was the guy that taught CBI said, whatever is your third most prevalent category is a big opportunity for you. He said, whatever is your fourth most prevalent category, the least most prevalent is like, it's almost a throwaway. It's like, just delegate to others, that kind of stuff. Like for me, that's banker, right? And so for 
for anything that has to do with, with that category of CBI, I'm better off just delegating it, hiring somebody else to do it for me, training somebody else to do it for me, et cetera. But the third category, whatever is your third one, is a big opportunity for you to go there into that place more often. And I remember hearing that and just realizing that my innate personality is a big part of who I am up until now. But as I move forward, I can begin to develop a lot of the traits and skills and qualities of anyone that I want, and I can become any kind of leader that I want to become. So just starting out with that understanding uh, was key. I like what you said about seeing the beauty of it, right? And this is what I really want to emphasize to everybody listening today is that however you view yourself, whatever personality you feel like you have right now, that there are amazing strengths in that. And as you bring out the most authentic version of yourself, you will attract people around you who resonate with you. And you'll be able to develop great relationships and be a powerful influencer and be a powerful leader for a lot of people. You might not click with everybody. We don't all click with everybody, but you have you know great opportunity to be excellent at what you do when you see those qualities and you see the beauty of that. You referenced getting feedback, Greg. And I think that's really pivotal for anyone who's going to be a great leader because one thing to kind of do self-assessments but it's a whole nother thing to then find out from the people who are actually in your life how they receive you, right? And to be able to gain insights into what are you doing well and working with others? What can you improve upon? That's critical. And then also just uh, you use the word humility in, uh, in what you were saying, that that's an important part of growth and learning as well. And I think that really goes hand in hand with asking for feedback and being able to learn more about how you can be better. Yeah. Talk a little bit about working with Paige Weber and how how some of these things played in and working with someone like her. I know, you know, she's a superstar, rising superstar in the company. And I think people would love to hear a little bit about your dynamic working with someone like her. Yeah. We are definitely different. <laughs> so we are on a natural side. I, I would say the most important thing is rapport and trust and connection, you know, with people. Because even as different as two different people could be, that relationship really makes all the difference. So I would say that's uh, related to Paige. One of the things that I would say this about the other, any of the great people that I've, I've worked with is my success has been a big, I would contribute a lot of that to surrounding myself with other great people. So for mm -hmm. someone like Paige, where... I just, I remember from meeting her the first time, even before meeting her, talking to her manager, Gina, about her, it's, you could tell that she has a tremendous amount of talent and desire to be great. So there are times where she could learn from me and there's times where she could learn from other top people in our region or in our company. So making sure that I'm connecting, not just connecting with her myself, but connecting her to other top, top people. And she does that on her own really you know, really great as well. And then also related to that, it's building relationships with the people that are important to your key people. So like for Paige, for example, one of the things she does a really good job of is not just caring about the individual in like with their, within their work dynamic, but caring about the whole person. And she, around her, she creates this environment where other people also care about the same. 
So really cool interviewing some of her leadership candidates and hearing some of them talk about how they go for like four or five of their candidates go for a walk just about every morning together. And again, they never work in the same office since we've been virtual this summer. And it's just, so how do you create that kind of culture and environment where people are hanging out, even though they otherwise wouldn't hang out in the office? And I think that really comes down to just relationships. And so I would say, I mean, there's a lot of other things, the tenacity that she has. And she is, by the way, I don't know her exact CBI, but Builder, I would imagine, would be on there. And she really has learned how to own those strengths. But the secret sauce to Paige is just her ability to connect people with each other and really show that she cares. Yeah. Paige certainly strikes me as Builder Merchant, just from what I've known, the small amount I've gotten to know her. You talked about surrounding yourself with different types of people. And one of the things I always tried to do as a leader running an office with a pretty big staff was I tried to make sure that my staff had differing strengths. I tried to look at what do I feel like this person has, what I feel like that person has, how can I fill different roles with different people that have different strengths so that anybody that comes onto the team would have people that they could relate to right away that they feel like are similar to them. And I, I think any organization, when, it, when it's full of different types of individuals, different types of leaders, that makes the team stronger. So it's not necessarily a, a diversity in terms of male, female, or ethnicities, but it's a diversity in terms of personalities and strengths. And that's a really key element that I always try to look for that help to build some great teams. Wasserman strikes me as being more introverted. Have you noticed that more about him working with him over the years? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think, well, I say absolutely. I think that's the first impression. One of the things that I would say John's really good at is, especially one-on-one, is again, the whole dynamic of connecting with people and really showing that, you, that, that he cares. And because there's a, there's a level of loyalty, I would say, that many people that really get to know him have. At f- first impression, when you're first meeting him, he's a nice guy, but just you don't see him being that super charismatic to contrast his personality with uh, Brian Herman, for example, on a first impression basis. So I would say naturally he's an introvert, but I think you get to know him and there's just something, there's a secret sauce to it, to what he does too, that allows for him to still have that connection, even if at first glance, there's uh, less of that there. Yeah, that, that secret sauce that you just described, it's really, we, we should dig into this a little bit more because what's important in uh, developing an organization is relationships, right? And relationships come down to connection, right? And connection is based on genuine interest and really getting to know someone and listening. And anyone, whether introverted or extroverted, can have genuine interest in other people. I think John Wasserman and Brian Hurlman, while they're opposite personalities, are equally interested in other people. And someone like you, someone like Was, right, who is more introverted, is probably better at asking questions and listening and really getting to know someone deeply whereas a more extroverted personality might have to work at being better at those things. But all types of personalities can learn and evolve and become great and develop strengths at connecting and building relationships. And when you connect and build strong relationships, that's where you end up having the Paige Webbers and the other great leaders around you who might not necessarily be just like you, 
but instead complement your strengths and help you create that more diverse organization where others have more people to relate to as they're coming up in the business. So it's pretty cool uh, just to think about the dynamic uh, between John and you and you and Paige and what has evolved there in your organization. Yeah. How about uh, for the extroverted leaders who are listening, how would you recommend that they work with introverted reps that are on their team or introverted up-and-comers that are in their organization? First and foremost, just really try and put yourself in their shoes, which I think for anybody can be really hard to do. So as an example, if I get energy from my alone time, sometimes somebody who's introverted just needs to process things internally versus somebody who's more extroverted might want to talk things out. So putting yourself in their shoes means not having necessarily a like something's off, something's wrong if they're not as expressive or as open, for example. I think tied to that is is looking for signals other than visual signals to sense how somebody's doing or feeling. So again, sometimes a little less expressive. And so it, it takes practice and, and focus to really just understand kind of how somebody's doing or feeling. And it's not necessarily any easier for introverts to do either. Like maybe we could relate to each other even more, but sometimes if two introverts are talking to each other, it's, it's again, we might both need to process things and we might not understand their visual signals as much either. So, so I would say that's a tip for everybody in working with introverted people, but especially extroverts. And I would say really the biggest one would be try not to alienate them. So when I first learned about CVI and, and how being a banker would mean I'm kind of low on the totem pole for management candidates based on that personality score, that's kind of alien. It didn't feel quite as... And it's natural because most of the world values extroversion, like we're social beings. So an example of that could even be something small, like even the joking, like, I know you hate people. I think sometimes we say that, like, oh, I just don't want to be around people like that. And it is kind of alienating to a degree. Like, there's nothing wrong with cat people. I like cats. Doesn't mean I don't like dogs. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it's just a difference. So I think as much as you definitely want to appreciate the social side of our being, I think there's also just appreciating the, and the more in- introspective side as well. Yeah, interesting. Being aware of... The differences, I think, is, is the first step here to, to working well with introverts. And there's a few things I've learned that I think are important. I like where you talked about how it's harder to read someone who's introverted because they aren't as expressive. And you kind of have to learn a little bit about that. And what I think is really important is ask, right? When you know you're dealing with somebody who's less expressive and you're not going to be able to tell how they feel just by looking at them, learn to ask more often right? How do you feel about that? Is a good question that you can ask, right? That's not a leading question. It just lets them answer. And I think that's an important thing to learn to do more often with more people, even with the people who are expressive, because a lot of times you can make the wrong assumption with someone and learning to ask how someone is feeling about something that you've, that you've shared with them or that just happened or whatever, that is going to give you a lot of insight. That's going to help you work with people more effectively. I also think it's important to remember that introverts do not like to be put on the spot. That's a way of making an introvert uncomfortable is to put them into a situation where they don't feel prepared or they haven't thought it out yet. And so, for example, we do a lot of like discussion-based topics in our meetings and events. And 
if you were to ask someone, hey, uh, who is the most influential leader you've had in your life and what made them so impactful on you? An introvert does not like to be asked that question and then, and then to have to immediately go talk about it with someone. An introvert would like to have a minute or two just to gather their thoughts on that, right? And so what I've taught people when doing like interactive exercises with groups at their meetings is you do a written exercise first. You give people like 60 seconds. Just, hey, gather your thoughts on this. Write down what comes to your mind. I'm going to have you talk about it with a partner in a minute. And then we're going to discuss what we learned from this, right? Introverts like to have that extra like one minute or so to gather their thoughts. And so think about how you can apply that in working with introverts as well and not make people feel put on the spot very often or uncomfortable in a situation where they're not prepared. So that would be some advice I would give about working with introverts. Anything else come to your mind that, uh, as I've been sharing here? Actually related to that in a group discussion, when people are sharing ideas, even if it's just a brainstorming session, if you notice there's one or two people that aren't really saying as much and just listening, they might have as many ideas as anybody else. And to that point, they just want to think about it a little bit. I know for me, uh, sometimes I want to gather what the other answers are and kind of craft my own for that. So that can be, so if you have a discussion and people are sharing ideas and someone, if I don't speak up, that's the great time to ask them, Hey, Greg, what are your thoughts, you know, on that? And don't yeah. be surprised when you do ask an introvert what they're thinking that they immediately turn into an extrovert and just go on and on and on and get really excited. Like it's, it's just our natural nature. But when we're, when we're asked about things, a lot of times we, we have as much thought or perspective on something as anybody else. So yeah, some people that, are surprised by that. That's a great point. And that's particularly effective, as you said, after some other people have begun sharing. And so there's a little momentum built up, right? And they've kind of had that time to gather their thoughts. I would be cautious about putting the introvert on the spot first, for example, in that type of an exercise. So I think that uh, just from my own perspective, I feel more comfortable if I can usually listen to two or three other people share what they're thinking. And then it, it kind of helps me to formulate how do I want to present myself as well. So the main thing I really want to convey that I hope everybody gets is that every person has their own innate strengths. And when you learn to recognize your strengths um, and you learn to enhance those strengths, you can leverage them to be successful in anything that you want to do. And you should let your goals and your aspirations and your vision and what you want help drive you forward and help you to evolve versus feeling pigeonholed by you know some type of personality test that you're sort of stuck the way you've always been. I think that's a really important lesson to gain here uh, from, uh, from what you've shared today, Greg. Yeah. What's exciting for you now? In your organization? Well, as you mentioned earlier, I'm transitioning to working with the New York City division, which I'm excited about. But this is a banner year for us in New Jersey. Paige and the Somerset team doing a million dollars in sales, uh, you know, breaking a regional record that stood for almost 20 years. So proud of that team, really the whole management team that we have, our branch manager class, best class ever. And uh, Owen Trapp, who worked in our division for, for a few years. I was just promoted to division coordinator as well. And so even though I'm moving from New Jersey to New York, I really feel like New Jersey is an absolutely fantastic 
fantastic hands. And in my life, I'm just excited to take over New York City as, as a division manager. They have some fantastic people. They grew a ton this year. And I really think that the new era that we're entering into as a company and as a society even is really going to create some awesome advantages for, for New York City. So I'm looking forward to that. I know that the, the concern about going into a place like New York City, and there's certainly parts of the Bay Area that where I'm from that tie into this, has always been the cost of operating. And when running local in-person interviews and local in-person training, number one, you had to have a location that had good proximity to all the recruits. And then number two, you had to have enough space to be able to house all the people. Now, neither of those things are are really true, right? A person could be running a New York City office and it really doesn't matter exactly where they're located. They're probably going to meet with some of their people after they've been in the business for a while and they start developing. But it's not like people are coming to the office every day. People don't have to come to the office for an interview. We don't need a huge space to be able to run big group functions. And so with the, the sheer amount of people and financial resources that are in New York City, Greg, you're at the cusp of a massive opportunity, and it's going to be really exciting to see what happens. I can't wait to get started. Yeah. Well, the uh, theme of our podcast, as you know, Greg, is, is changing lives. And to wrap this up, as you look into your own future, uh, how do you aspire to change people's lives through what you do? This past year, I went to a personal development event and really got clear on my purpose, which is really to be a source of empowerment for people by living my life at full expression. And essentially, I want to inspire people for my, through my fulfillment in my own life. So right now, I'm reinventing myself in, in different ways. I ran a marathon earlier this year, and it wasn't for the fact that I love running. It was because I, like many people would say, I hate running. And now I could say, I'm a runner. And for me, that's just about reinventing myself and establishing a new identity, whatever I want it to be. So in the future, I want to continue to do great things with Vector, of course. And ultimately, I want to use the Vector platform that I have here to develop my skills and, and to impact people on a grander scale. It's my belief that there are, there's so much good that's out there. And there's so many people that are just one step away from their breakthrough in their life. And all they need is a little help. And I, I want to help. So my vision for the future is to build a foundation where people can connect where I can help connect people to whatever they need, whether it's education, connections, funding, support, other resources. I can get really excited about helping people take the next step in their lives. And I get to do that here at Vector, but I want to do that on an even grander scale as I progress in my life. So nothing better than somebody accomplishing something great and you even having just a small bit to contribute to that. I mean, that's, that's as fulfilling as it gets, in my opinion. So Yeah, it sure is. Greg, your point about originally not being a runner, but taking on that challenge anyway, it fits perfectly with a lot of what we've talked about today about how anyone can evolve into any role that they want to evolve into in life. Everybody's got great strengths. You've proven that with your incredible success you've had in Vector over the years. You've evolved into a tremendous leader uh, who has had a powerful impact on a lot of people. And now there's 8.8 .8 million people in New York City waiting for you to come and uh, change lives there. And I can't wait to see what happens. It's going to be awesome. So congrats on all your success. And thanks for your insights today on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Dan. I appreciate it. That was Greg Cothran, everyone. I hope 
that there are a lot of you listening who, after hearing this today, see more of your own potential for leadership. Because I know that it's very easy for anyone who sees some of these dynamic extroverted leaders who are out there, particularly in the Vector Cutco world, to feel like, well, I don't know if I could be like that person. And the reality is you don't have to, that you have your own strengths and your own greatness and learning to bring that out and leverage that is key. And particularly if you are introverted, there are many, many, many strengths that can make you great at connecting with people and building relationships. And it's important to surround yourselves with lots of other different types of personalities so that everyone on your team has different people that they can also relate to as they are growing up in your organization. I thought that uh, the part where we talked about how extroverted leaders can learn to work with introverts was really valuable as well, particularly for the many of you who are extroverted leaders. There was some good stuff in that about uh, learning to ask questions to get to know how people are feeling, not making assumptions, and giving people time to process information as you are working with them versus putting people on the spot who are more introverted. thought that was valuable. Loved hearing Greg talk about the influence of John Wasserman and particularly the year that John promoted reading 50 books for the year and shared that with others, that process of personal growth and sharing what you're learning with others is one of the most powerful tools for personal transformation. And I also loved Greg at the very end to talk about taking up running and how that helped him to reinvent himself. And those words, reinventing yourself, is something everybody can take and ponder as we end this episode today, because wherever you are, whoever you are, that all has determined your life up until now. But where you go from here is fully up to you and your personality evolution, your evolution as a human can be driven by your goals and your vision and the actions you take. And you can evolve to become anyone that you want to be in any role that you want to play. Thanks to Greg Cothran for being willing to share his experiences and insights on this topic. Hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate your support of the podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.